join us together in God's presence and to just breathe. You know, slowing down and reflecting about life was not something that um, I was taught when I was young or brought up understanding. It wasn't part of my life experience. Um, and my dad was a pastor, still is, and church life was always very busy. And so busyness equaled godliness is the way I experienced life for, and, and faith. And so there was never this idea of slowing down and pause and reflecting days off really didn't happen that at hardly at all. Vacation was one day a year. And so for me, it was just never part of my life. And it wasn't until I was in, I was in grad school when um, I experienced the opportunity to uh, read a book entitled Too Busy Not to Pray. And the author of this book, the subtitle is Slowing Down to Be with God. It was the first time I encountered someone who suggested that it's possible to slow down, to be present with God, and to experience a conversation with God, to be talking and listening and not all being a one-way monologue. In his book, he encouraged you to, to write out your prayers, and so I began that practice of writing out my prayers as a way to slow my mind down and stay focused on just being present with God. A little bit later in that year-long internship, I was required to journal every day. And this practice as well required me to sit with my thoughts, to sit and think about what had happened the past 24 hours and take a few moments and jot down those thoughts and, and where had God shown up and where had my sinfulness showed up towards other people and what did God want me to do about that. And that really began a process for me to enter a more reflective, contemplative life. And for about the next 15 years, I continued in that practice of sitting down almost on a daily basis and writing down and reflecting on my day. God took my life in a different journey at that time and I began to face some of the pain of, of my childhood and some of the hurts and wounds that had affected my life and shaped who I had become. And, and I started to sit with those things and write about those things and reflect on those and not only the sin done against me, but then what's the resulting sin that I have then done to others because of that. And so my journey of reflection of being contemplative for me went deeper and wider and during that time, I began to also navigate a different way to spend time with Jesus. So it wasn't just a ritual, it wasn't just something I was supposed to do, that is what I've been taught when I was young, but is there something more to it? Is it possible to be with Jesus, to sit with Jesus, to listen to Jesus, to actually hear from Him on a daily basis? And the more I learned to do this, to be quiet and to still my soul, the more I found, as Tim shared with us last week, my soul craving just to be with Him. Not because I had a list of obligations, not because someone was saying to me, did you have your devotional time with God? But because there was something deep at a soul level that just longed to be with my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. You know, one of the things that we as a staff hear often from people that come to visit our church, we often will say to them, so tell us, why did you come to to visit CCC, and, and often they'll say to us, you know, I was just looking for something more. And they aren't really sure what the more is. Maybe something more to this life, as you just heard the song say, or maybe it's something more to church or more to faith, but there's also a longing for something more. There's just kind of a weariness and a fatigue of going through the motions and doing things the way I've always been done. Is there anything more? And what we believe is that people are longing for is they're longing for more in their relationship with God. That's what they're longing for. Not more obligations, not more expectations, not more things placed down upon them, but is there some way to stir something deep within my soul that will give me this longing and craving to be with the Father, 
to be with the Son and to know that that's what God's made me for. And so this morning, as we wrap up this series we've been doing for the last four weeks on Sabbath, we're going to talk about this whole idea of, of contemplating and this idea of hearing God whisper. Hearing God whisper. If you haven't been with us over the past month, we've been on a series on Sabbath, the whole idea of Sabbath rest. And uh, we talked the first week about stopping, which means setting limits, some boundaries on how much, of, how much I do in my life. And then we talked the second week about resting. And as we rest, we get a little glimpse of what an eternal rest will be with God forever. And then last week we talked about the subject of delight. And what does it mean to get lost in the moment? To experience something where time passes by. And I challenge you to, to be lost in the moment and remembering your Creator. Um, and to be lost in the moment exploring God's unique design in you. And then to be lost in the moment embracing what gives you life. And this whole idea of light, delight is finding the things that God has created you to do, you to enjoy, and then living out those things. Those are all part of Sabbath. And my challenge for you has been to set aside a window of time. Maybe for some of you it's just a few hours. But over time to expand that time to a 24-hour window where that day is different than all the other six days because you set it aside and say, I want to live life the way God's designed and created me to live it with my family, with my friends, with Him. And so this week we want to look at the last area, which is to contemplate. To contemplate. Over the last few weeks, I've said this statement multiple times. Hopefully it's stuck in your head, and it's this. Let's, would you say it with me this morning? Sabbath is not something forced upon you, but a gift given to you. Sorry, I didn't say that right. My apologies. But a gift offered to you gift offered to you. And I hope as we've talked about this over these last few weeks, that you've started to come to believe the truth in this. It's not a legalistic expectation, but God says every week, I want you to just pause and live this day different than all the other six days. One writer said this, they said, Sabbath is like getting a snow day, a blizzard once a week. Everything stops because the snow forces you to do so. You can take a nap. You can play in the snow. You can go for a walk. You can read a good book for hours. You can eat a meal with family. You can watch a movie together. All what? Guilt-free. Guilt-free. And that's what Sabbath is. A blizzard once a week just for you to enjoy the things that God has made you to enjoy. And so today as we explore this final component of Sabbath, the idea of contemplate, we're faced with this huge challenge. And the challenge is this. The pace and busyness of our lives does not allow us to tune into the voice of the Father. I'll say that again. The pace and busyness of our lives does not allow us to tune into the voice of our Father. This whole idea of contemplate is the, is, is the idea of slowing down enough that you can hear the voice of God Speaking to you. And I think it's illustrated in this clip I'm going to show you in just a minute from the TV show Smallville, which is a modern day depiction of the life of Superman. And in this story, his, his parents don't know who he is. They don't know his powers. But they slowly start to discover some unique things about him. And as they discover these unique things about him, they want to cultivate them and help them grow. One of the things they've discovered is that he has this ability to hear so much his hearing is so fine-tuned that he can hear multiple conversations at the same time. 
The problem is that it keeps him from being able to focus. The danger is that it keeps him being able to focus on the one voice, the voice of his father, because the other voices are drowning it out. Watch this scene as Clark tries to learn how to hear the voice of his father. All right, let's get to work then. it takes practice and determination and patience to tune our ears to the voice of God to be able to hear from him. And it's not only the busyness and activity of the world and the culture that we live in, but it's also even inside the community of the church. Because for much of our faith experiences, you know, this picture really depicts what we face where our activity for God is this big huge bubble, but our silence or our contemplation of being with God is this little tiny bubble. And the question is, what will it take for us to move for those two being parallel? Where our activity for God shrinks because our time being with God expands. Expands. And this morning what I want to talk with you about is I want to talk with you about a passage of Scripture that we're going to look at in just a moment. And I want to share with you a couple things that when you slow down when you still your spirit, when you are quiet and with God, some pretty amazing things happen. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to John chapter 1, John chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's Bibles in your seats. Um, it's page 860 for the Bibles that are in your seats there. You can turn there on your phone or tablet. John chapter 1 is where we're going to look at a few verses this morning. In John chapter 1, Jesus is just starting to show up on the scene and his first disciples find out that Jesus had a competing mission, an outward mission and an inward mission. His outward mission was invite people to be part of the kingdom of God. That's what he's inviting them to be a part of. And his inward mission was to draw them closer to the Father. And so if you're there in John chapter 1, verse 35, it says this, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying. 
And they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. And if you go back to the beginning of that section, it, he's, John points out Jesus as the Lamb of God. And this whole idea of the Lamb of God comes from the Old Testament and the story of the Passover when the Jewish people were rescued from the Egyptians. And God said to them, and they said, you need to take a perfect lamb and you need to sacrifice that lamb and put the blood of that lamb on the doorpost and the death angel will pass over and not take the life of the firstborn child. And so then every year since that time, the Jewish community has celebrated an event called Passover in which they remember not only God's faithful provision, but the Passover lamb that spared their families' lives. A little bit later in the book of Isaiah, um, the prophet Isaiah described a spotless lamb who would come, who would rescue all of mankind and take all the sins of mankind, pointing ahead to Jesus. And so God's plan centers on Jesus, and he's the one that he's drawing everyone's attention to, our attention to, and John was pointing others to follow Jesus. So the question for us to ask ourselves is, how do we follow Jesus and become more contemplative in a culture driven by activity? How do we follow Jesus and slow down to become more contemplative in a culture driven by activity? I want to talk with you about a couple traits of the contemplative life, and hopefully that's for you, stirs an invitation to move towards that. The first is that the contemplative life makes room for questions with Jesus. Questions with Jesus. Not questions for Jesus or from Jesus, but with Jesus. You know, Jesus is always asking questions. He's always asking questions. In this passage we just, at, we just looked at, he said, what do you want? He said, what do you want? He often says, what do you seek? What do you seek? And that the depth of our soul, when everything else gets pushed aside, below everything are these deep desires for the things that we long for the most. The things that God has placed in us, being made in His image. That God says, can you push all that stuff away and look at what you long for the most? Tom Gardner, author of Living God, Breath to Life, says this about the questions of Jesus. He said, this question and the answer to it determine our peace in any of life's journeys. From our friends to our finances, whatever we seek, whatever we're searching for, drives and directs us. Becomes our operating system. Whatever I seek steals my heart. Think about that phrase. Whatever I seek steals my heart. Jesus asked his followers in John 1, he says, what do you want? What are you guys seeking after? What are you guys seeking after? Questions go all the way back to the garden, don't they? In the garden, God said to Adam and Eve, where are you? And then later he said to Cain, where's your brother? Jesus said to the one leper after he healed ten and nine wandered away, where are the other nine? He said to the religious leaders, why do you call me good? Why do you call me Lord and don't do the things that I say? And then to Peter, he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? So why do we ask questions? Why do we ask questions? Sometimes we ask them because we're just curious. My wife will often say, why are you asking that? I'm just curious, just like to know. No ulterior motive underneath of that, you know. Just curious, you know. Sometimes I don't have enough information and I need to get more information, you know, sometimes I've forgotten something, and so my memory fails me, and so I need that information brought back to me. 
But on occasion, rare occasion, I ask a question I already know the answer to. Parents, how often do we ask our kids a question we already know the answer to? We do that occasionally, right? Sometimes because we want to give them a chance to confess, right? Sometimes it's that. But sometimes we want to open a conversation with them. We want to open a dialogue. And questions have a way of doing that. Questions have a way of peeling back the layer. They force us to look inside. And so we ask a question, it's because we want to engage. And that's one of the reasons I think that Jesus did that with his followers. You see, questions come from someone who wants to talk with us, not talk at us. Someone who wants to talk with us. And I believe that's often why Jesus asked these questions. Because he wanted to engage his followers about what was going on below the waterline, deep in their heart and soul. And so if Jesus were to ask you this question today, what do you seek? Put your name in there. John, what do you seek? Bill, what do you seek? Mary, what do you seek? Sue, what do you seek? Sam, what do you seek? God were to ask you, what would you say? You know, the disciples asked Jesus questions as well. I mean, they asked him a question a little bit later. They said, Where are you staying? Where are you staying? Essentially, they were asking, Where do you live? And can we come spend some time with you? You know, in that culture, a rabbi, he would invite people to follow him. He would invite young men to follow him. And they would go with him. And they would be his followers. And they would actually go and live at his home and stay there at his home and eat with him. And and he would teach things that he learned about the Torah. And so when Jesus invited them to follow him, he's essentially inviting them to be with him. And the truth is, when someone spends a lot of time with you, you influence them. When someone spends a lot of time with you, you influence them. I was thinking about this in relationship to my wife, Christine, and I. And, and when we um, first started dating and were engaged, one of the things I discovered is that her family took vacations. My family never took vacations. And so I actually learned how to vacation because Christine and I spent time together. My family never travels. They still don't travel much. And her family travels everywhere all the time. They just get bored and decide they want to travel somewhere, you know, and, and find a way to do that. And so that's another thing that's become a part of my life because of being with her. Anybody that knows and spends time with my wife knows that she's a teacher and she loves to, to help, um, help kids understand truth. And she loves to find creative ways to do that. And uh, this is something I learned early on for her, that every time she's going to teach, the van was going to be full of stuff from our house that she was using to try to illustrate important and creative points. And over time, I learned to do some of those same things, not to the capacity that she does as well. And so when you spend time with someone, it changes you. It changes you. And Jesus' invitation to us to spend time with Him, to listen to the questions that He wants to talk with us, that we want to ask Him, allow that to happen. He reflects this in Matthew chapter 7. When He talks about prayer, He says this, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. This is a conversation that Jesus is inviting us into. 
And the reality and truth is, is you can't spend time with God in a meaningful way if you don't step away from the busyness and pace of our lives. Because ask, seek, and knock are actions of a contemplative soul. It means you scale back that activity so that you can spend more time being with Him and listening with Him. Now, remember, we're talking about this in the context of Sabbath. We're talking about this in the context of you taking one day different than all the other six days and somehow in that one day carving out a little window of time to be quiet and to engage with God. And I suspect that as Tim shared with you, the more that you do this, the more your soul will crave it and you will say, God, how do I find a way to do this more? Because I don't like living life apart from you. The contemplative life not only makes room for questions with Jesus, but it also makes room for conversation with Jesus. For conversation with Jesus. In John 1.39, Jesus says this to His disciples. He says, Come, and you will see Me. So they went and saw where He was staying. And what did they do? They spent the day with Him there. They didn't just have a cup of coffee and then go in their separate ways. They didn't just have a one-hour time block. I got my one hour, and that's it. They spent the day with him there. One question led to another, and then to another, an extended conversation. Gardner says this, he says, The transition from seeker to follower, one must go beyond meeting our needs, or answering our questions, and take up the life of the one we will follow. How did Jesus do this? How did He do this? In Mark 1.35, it says He got up early in the morning, it was still dark, and He left the house and went off to a solitary place. And the point isn't that it's early in the morning. The point isn't that it's dark. The point is He had to go where no one else was to find a quiet place to be with the Father. Someone was telling me recently about their struggle to find a quiet place in their house. They're like, you don't know my house. There's no quiet place in my house. And, and we had this fun conversation about, did you ever hear of noise-canceling headphones? Wonderful creation, you know. Your kids do it to block you out, so just return the favor to them, you know. So, and spend a little bit of time with Jesus. Um, the truth is, ask yourself this question. When was the last time you spent the day with someone you really enjoy in a place that was comfortable and inviting? When was the last time? As I wrote this question, I thought of my friend Don, who's spoken here on occasion. Don's been a mentor and a friend for over 25 years. And a couple years ago when I was preparing for my sabbatical, he said, John, why don't you come up to my place? He said, just bring something to stay overnight. And he said, here's a room you can stay, and here's a bathroom you can use, and help yourself. The place is yours. And oh, by the way, I'm going to Home Depot. You want to go with me? And and i got to find this thing for the house. And we need to stop and get something for dinner. And, and uh, how about we work on putting dinner together here? We spent some time together that evening. And he said, I'll see you tomorrow morning. He said, uh, you get up at this time, we'll have some breakfast together and just enjoy some time together. Don said, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. He said, what haven't you done in a while that you really enjoy? I said, Ah, I like to play golf. I haven't had a chance to play golf. He said, well, I'll bring your golf clubs. Let's go play golf together. 
Um, it was just one of those days where I just got to spend time with a friend, unhurried, unrushed, just enjoy being with him. And this is what Jesus invites you to do every single week. Every single week. He says, part of this experience of Sabbath is not only the stopping, not only the resting, not only the delighting and doing something you love and enjoy, but also for you to just pause and go someplace quiet and just be with me. This is hard. This is hard. Someone shared with me after the first service, they said, John, I... I've got some stuff going on in here and I can't stop to be with Jesus. It just comes up and i got to do this. And for much of us, many of us, that's often the case. But He's not going to stop asking. He's not going to stop inviting. Because He's a Father who loves you. And He wants you to be with Him. In the book, The Shack, the author, who, the individual who played God in the story says this to the main character, Mac. He says, I don't want to be first among the list of values. I want to be at the center of everything, not just at the top of the pyramid. I want to be at the center of a mobile where everything in your life, your friends, your family, your occupation, your thoughts, your activities is connected to me. And see, when you spend time with Jesus... When you spend time with Him, when you talk to Him about questions that are on your heart and your soul, He changes stuff on the outside and He changes stuff on the inside of you. Sometimes those questions don't have answers. In my own life, I found myself at times asking God why, and I don't usually get an answer to that question. Not in this life anyways. And so sometimes I say, what was the point? And sometimes God points the way. And He says, this is why. This is why. And so what is it that God is inviting you to enter with Him? The reality is, the more you choose to enter that, the more your heart begins to say what this verse David said in the Psalms. Would you read it with me? I am asking God one thing, only one thing to live with Him in His house my whole life long. I'll contemplate His beauty and I'll study at His feet. You see, questions with Jesus and a conversation with Jesus leads to communion with Jesus. And communion is in a sense God's dinner table for His children. It's an invitation to come to His table. It's an invitation to talk with Him. It's an invitation to remember His Son and what He's done for you. It's an invitation to see the life that He has for you. It's an invitation to remember what He's redeemed you and rescued you from. It's an invitation for all of those things. Because God's goal for us is to commune with Him. And that's the goal of the contemplative life. The Lord's Supper is a place to come and maybe not spend a whole day. Maybe just to come and spend a few minutes alone with God. It's a place where our questions can turn to conversations and conversations can turn to communion with Him. I want to read from you the Psalm 23 as we just prepare for 
a time of communion together. It says this from the message, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You've met me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me what? Catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk by my side because your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. And today as we celebrate communion, we're going to do it just a little bit differently. Um, today I'm going to invite you to come and there's communion set up at the front of each section and just take it, take it back to your seat and just sit and take a moment to talk to God. Sit and quietly say, God, what are the things on my heart that you have for me? What are the things that you want me to sit and listen to you? And so there's going to be some songs that are going to be played and some music. And um, we're not going to dismiss you by rows, but we're going to ask that you would exit your section to the left. Let's see, that's right, to the left. And come to the front of each section here and then make your way back down and then return in your row to the right. Um, be sensitive to others who might just be waiting to come. And so just slip past them as you make your way. Um, and we just invite you to take this back to your seat with you. No one's going to tell you when to eat or drink. Just sit there quietly. Spend a few moments talking and being present with Jesus and enjoy this moment of time with him. Would you join me in prayer before we do this together? God, I thank you for the gift of Sabbath and um, I thank you for the invitation to, to come. The invitation to come to this table uh, to remember all that you've done for us. And in remembering all that you've done for us to be able to um, just sit quietly in your presence. Lord, for some of us, this has been the first time this week we've paused when our eyes haven't been closed and we've been sound asleep. And so, God, for some, it's simply an opportunity to be quiet with you. For others, Lord, busyness has been intentional because it's designed to fill the space and the void and keep us from facing the true things that are there in our lives. And so may this be a time for your spirit simply to whisper, your Father just wants to spend some time with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the incredible gift of salvation, for your amazing death on the cross, and for the hope and freedom of life that it offers to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus invites you to come.